the Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley. It's been a historical franchise in this league for years. We have a trade to announce. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show, the NBA trade deadline getting closer and closer. Oh, we've got more trade stuff to get into. This is, I love this time of year. This is so much fun. There's lots of stuff to break down. We're going to talk about even a trade that actually happened. Look at that. We've got a real trade to talk about today. A trade. That's right. Power <laughs> shift. We're going to talk yeah. about that. Plus a lot of new rumors. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joining me is Keith Smith. Find him at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, let's kick things off with, of course, everybody's favorite team, the the golden child of the NBA, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, let's, let's talk about them and Deere. So mean. I know, I know, it's so mean. Sorry, Kings fans. Um, hey, I'm wearing purple just for you guys. <laughs> yeah, the wrong shade of purple. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the the news regarding Deere and Fox. Sounds like he is now actually in trade discussions here for the Sacramento Kings, a player they are considering moving. And really, that's. The Kings should be willing to move just about anybody. This this core obviously has not worked out. They're still not where they want to be. Nobody should be off limits, but De'Aaron Fox was a guy they had been hesitant to move in the past. Sounds like that may no longer be the case. Yeah, the reporting coming out of the Sacramento Bee, Jason Anderson, he's a, a longtime Kings Bee writer. He had the report that the the Kings are now offering Darren Fox, and it sounds like they've offered him in a in trade talks for Demontis Sabonis, and that's uh, you know something we can get into here in a second. But what the really interesting part is, we heard I'm gonna guess it was maybe as far back as a month ago that the Kings weren't like hanging up the phone on people if they asked about Darren Fox, and that's kind of where this starts, right? Teams, what they do when they sit down is they're heading into a tentpole part of the calendar, which the trade deadline is one, is you kind of sort your roster into, all right, who are untouchables? There's very, very few of those in the league, despite the fact that every fan base thinks they've got, you know, five yeah. on every <laughs> roster. It's, right. it's really, there's probably five in the entire league. Um, but what they do is they sit down, they kind of go into that, then they go into the, like, all right, we'd move this guy, but it'd take a lot. Uh, these are the guys we're open to moving. These are the guys we want to move. Um, and they just kind of, then you work everything based off that. And the reason you do that is because what happens is we all think it's GM to GM, right? It's uh, you know, Rob Palenka to, Dan to Danny Ainge, yeah. Brad Stevens. Like they're having that conversation direct. And it's, it's not always that way. A lot of times it's assistant GM to assistant GM. Uh, sometimes it's you know pro personnel guy to somebody else. And they, they start talking and it's like, hey, don't even bother running it up the ladder because we're not interested in trading yeah. player X. So what's happened here now is the Kings have clearly made it hey, we're open to talking to anybody on this roster. Uh, it's going to cost a lot to get Tyrese Halliburton. It's going to cost a lot to get Davian Mitchell. Uh, it sounds like from the reporting, they'd rather not move, move Rashawn Holmes. Uh, and then De'Aaron Fox is, we'll move him, but you're going to have to pay for it. Uh, we want an all-star in return, and that makes sense. But what it tells me is De'Aaron Fox is no longer entrenched as the this is our guy long-term we're building everything around him player that it looked like he was even a year ago, maybe even last, maybe six months ago, it looked like he might've been that guy. 
Yeah, and especially, you know, this season, and there were high hopes for him, but the shooting percentages just haven't been where they need to be for him to yeah, be. Yeah, fallen way off. Yeah, he's, so he hasn't been the impact player that they've been wanting him to be, at least not the level that they've wanted him to be at. And so, of course, they have to be open to things. Look, this, you know, I, I was joking at the beginning of the show when I, when I said this is, you know, the golden child of the NBA or whatever, they've got the spotlight on them. But truth be told, they this Kings team, this Kings franchise, has been out of the playoffs for so long at this point that you really can't take anything off the table. If you're looking at this group right now saying this team's not going to get it done, okay, then you've got to make some changes. You've got to do some things in order to put yourself on the right track because, again, this this franchise has been out of the playoffs for so long. I don't, Kings fans can tell me, but I don't even know how many years it's been at this point. Well, I can tell you. You've got it. All right. What 2006. Is it? Oh, 2006. That's rough. This is, is the 2022 playoffs coming up. So we're a decade and a half. So th- there's there's no reason at this point to keep De'Aaron Fox off the off the trade block sure. if you can get something. Now, again, the key is what's the return? What can you get for De'Aaron Fox? And if it's Sabonis, maybe you can talk yourself into that because that, I mean, between the two, forget contracts for a second, I would rather have Sabonis than De'Aaron Fox. So if you can work something out there, Maybe that's something interesting, but I don't think the Kings are going to give De'Aaron Fox away. But are they listening? Are they considering it? Yeah, and they absolutely should be. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you're the Kings, it's, it's, this is, I said this on Twitter earlier today. I just, I feel bad for Kings fans because mm-hmm. this is like, hey, let's tear it all down and start all over again for the umpteenth time in, you know, these 15 years. I mean, it doesn't even seem like they're letting these rebuilds play out more than, a couple years at a time before it's like, all right, let's hit reset. Let's try and do, do this again. I, I realize Fox has been there. He's, this is now his uh, uh, fifth season yeah. um, with, with them, but I, I, it's just, it feels like we're constantly in a position where it's, we're going to reset. We're going to reset. We're going to reset. And it's like that, that is hard to, to, to work around. And it's not, you can't point to any one thing, right? Because it's, I know we all kind of will poke fun at the ownership and the stuff there. Drafting but badly. They, yeah. Things like it, that, sure. It's, but, like, they've changed over the front office. They've changed owners. They've changed coaches, you know, a million times in that 15-year run. Like, it's it's just everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And I kind of get it when people do the whole Kang stuff. And, you know, and then it's like, well, it's just the Kings. This is what happens with them. Because when it happens – through multiple iterations of those in charge, your decision makers, it does start to feel a little bit like, how are you going to get this reversed? So now I'm with you. If we want to get into that rumor, uh, Fox for Sabonis, uh, sounds like maybe the Pacers based off of the miles Turner news, which we talked about uh, just yesterday uh, with the, the, um, the stress fracture in his foot. He's going to be out for a while. It sounds like maybe things are pivoting to, all right, well, we may not even be able to really move him for a good return. Let's look at moving Sabonis instead. Um, I think Sabonis is the better player of the two uh, between him and Turner. Uh, so I think you can get more of a return. And if you can get a guy like De'Aaron Fox, what's important for franchise like the Pacers mm-hmm. is Fox is locked up long term. So that doesn't mean you're going to get him and then have to resign him or worry about him leaving in a year or two. He's signed long term. Um, it's not like he's exactly coming from the you know uh, biggest market in the league either into a small market. Like he's I don't think market size is all that big of a thing for him. So 
yeah, it, it's 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 really tough. But you know, this more than anything tells me the Kings are one hundred percent open for business, and they're going to be now probably vaulted to the top of the teams to watch list at the trade deadline. Absolutely, and and what it feels like is they really want Ben Simmons. And if they can't get him, that's where Sabonis will be, kind of where they're, they'll turn their, their attention to. But, you know, I mean, you talk about how often they've reset. And that's true. They, they have indeed reset quite a bit. And maybe making a trade would involve a, a reset. But does it have to? Like if they go get, let's say they go get Sabonis. The pieces they've got, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, right? Now Marvin Bagley to a lesser degree. But these are pieces that have some value I think it's sure. possible for them not necessarily to do a complete another bottom out. Let's get a bunch of draft picks. They could perhaps go and find some guys that maybe just fit better. Maybe you just shuffle some things around and still make a push for this. They're only a game and a half out of the play in tournament right now. Yeah, I guess the question you have to be asking as an organization is what do we want? Yeah. You know, it is. And I have said repeatedly that making the play in tournament has value for a team like Sacramento because they they haven't even been you know sniffed anything postseason in quite a while. So, um, but if you're really looking at it and saying you know what that's just uh, that's not enough, we don't think we can win uh, the couple games or even a game to to advance out of that. Uh, maybe you do look at it and say just. You know, forget it. Let's let's go a different direction with this and let's let's go somewhere else, because the reality is they're a game and a half out of the play in, but they're four and a half out of the nine team. So you're probably not making up that ground. Well, that's just yeah. a lot. But right. I, so I think what you do is if you can do something where it's you return talented players, kind of almost you just continue on the trajectory that you're on. If you make it into the play in great. If we don't, we don't. Um, but what we have done is we've restarted ourselves for next season and beyond. I think that's the kind of goal here because I mean, bottoming it all the way back out, like what does, what does that do? Like where, where are you going now? If that kind of naturally happens, then so be it. And that's what happens. And there you go. Or, you know, maybe you get some lottery luck and you bounce up towards the top and can get one of the really good uh, players coming in. But yeah, my, my guess is this roster is just going to look very, very different here in a few weeks. Yeah. Agreed. I think so too. I think we talk all about teams that are motivated to make moves. And I think Sacramento very much falls in that category, along with say like the Atlanta Hawks, other teams that are have that that have that pressure to to do mm-hmm. something, to change things, to change the trajectory that they are on. Sacramento yep. definitely fits alongside those teams. Let's um, stick there just one more yeah, second, just because it. it's it, it's a little reporting mixed with speculation, but we should touch on it. Uh, you reference they've been in on Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they're still in on Ben Simmons. Sounds like they may be one of the few few teams. This is uh, David Aldridge of the Athletic had this line of they may be one of the teams that is open to taking on Tobias Harris in right. a trade where they acquire Ben Simmons, and that's that's very notable just because we we have heard that's one of Philly's stated goals now if they can is to move Harris in a Simmons trade and and I guess if you're the Kings if you're looking at it as hey we're gonna fully reset we might as well have at least a guy who can score the ball a little bit along with Simmons and that's you know kind of our duo moving forward so just something to keep in the back of your mind here with you know if that's the direction they go what do you think is a fair package for Sacramento to offer for Ben Simmons considering the main pieces being De'Aaron Fox Buddy Heald Harrison Barnes (laughs) I mean I know that's this is shooting from the I mean that's probably it 
right there. Those three? Kind of hit it. Yeah, I think those three, and that gets you Simmons and Harris, and then you go. If I'm Philly, I definitely do that. Um, I, I would be be all over that one, um, I, I think. I just think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people are like, well, we already have Tyrese Maxey. Well, you sort that out later. Yeah. You know, if you need to, you know, maybe Darren Fox is your sign and trade piece to go get James Harden in the summer. If that's where you want to go, you See, know, I, let, let, you know, that's stuff figured out. I agree with you. And I've seen people with the take of that, that particular package saying, well, sure. But the Kings will have to add to that. Like you're going to have to add <laughs> a picks. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Would, yeah. would they, maybe yeah, I, maybe I value the Kings players too much. I don't know, but. To me, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, those are guys that should have some value and should be of interest to the 76ers. So sure. if they were to put those three on the table, I would think that's a, that's a pretty good I, package for I think Simmons the, and, and Harris. The upgrade from Barnes to Harris, when you factor in on-court and contract, Barnes is way up here yeah. and Harris is down here offsets anything you don't like of Fox and healed for Simmons, sure. which to me, that makes that a fairly even trade. Cause you're getting off a lot of money. If you're Philadelphia uh, mm-hmm. moving forward, yes, you're taking on Fox's deal, but you're still getting off a lot of money uh, because of uh, Barnes and healed when they expire. So that, that would be my guess. Cause I think Harrison Barnes is a far better player uh, than Tobias Harris at this point, just cause he really easily fits just about any role mm-hmm. uh, you want to put him into. Yep. Agree. Okay, that's that's enough Kings talk. Uh, you did mention that the Pacers may now be pivoting towards moving Sabonis if they can't move Miles Turner. So that's something that's worth noting as we do get closer to that February 10th trade deadline. But Keith, we actually had a trade go down yeah, late, late, late last night. And like you said at the top, this is a big one. This changes everything <laughs> in the NBA now. Of course, it, it does not. But it still is an interesting one and one that I think actually benefits all the teams that are that are involved. So I know it involves your Celtics. So let's. Why don't I just hand it over to you? What's what is going on in this deal? Yeah. So three team trade. The Celtics get uh, Bol Bol. Uh, we'll get into what happened there, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, PJ Dozier. Yep. And then Boston sent out in this trade Juancho Hernan Gomez, and a uh, some cash was sent to the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs got. Hernan Gomez and the cash from Boston, as well as a 2028 second round pick, which has some funny protections attached. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then Denver acquires from the Spurs, Bryn Forbes um, go, goes to from the Spurs to, to the Nuggets. So um, the Nuggets part is the easiest part of this. They gave up two players who are out for the season, most likely to get a shooter for a team that has really slipped with yeah. their shooting and is really struggling. Um, they now have a whole bunch of different guards with wildly varying skill sets. Um, they're they, you know, Composo is your ball handler playmaker type. Morris is your more kind of traditional point guard guy who can, you know, do a bunch of things. Will Barton is your score first guy. Jamal Murray is, is a guy who, you know, when he comes back is going to fill it up scoring wise. So uh, Bryn Forbes to the Nuggets just fills that shooting role and they, they can slide him in. Um, we're, we're probably a week or so, or so away from him debuting. And, you know, he's just going to be running around on the weak side waiting mm-hmm. for Nikola Jokic to dime him up as he bombs threes. Um, didn't play great for the Spurs, but wasn't bad by any means. And the Spurs part of this is 
They don't need Brent Forbes. They're they're not competing uh, to go real deep in the playoffs. We mentioned the other day when we talked about Forbes, um, you know, the rare in-season trade by the San Antonio Spurs yeah. here. Um, but we talked about that's the one to, to do it, right? Him and Thaddeus Young because no real future beyond this season in San Antonio. Spurs have a million young guards. This just now takes you know, one more guy out of the mix. Um, they can play all those guys. The pick they're getting is a 2028 second round pick that Denver protected 31 through 33. So the Nuggets must have a seventh grader. They absolutely <laughs> love that they think that they just in case him. this guy's there. We need to make sure <laughs> yeah. we protect. It's yeah, it's a top it. three protected second rounder. Yeah, which is it's just funny. You know, it's uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's something I'm missing in someone far smarter than me could could pick it up and figure it out uh, there. Um, so that's the first side of it. And then the Boston side is this puts them within one more trade away. And it doesn't even have to be a big one of getting out of the luxury tax. Right. Now I know some Celtics fans are like, what are we doing? Like we could have used turn on Gomez in a bigger trade and match salary and all these things. My guess and my read on this situation is Boston has canvassed the league and realized it's just not there. There, there wasn't a deal where they needed to use Hernan Gomez's seven million uh, salary to, to, to match salary in a trade. It just wasn't there. And may, maybe if they're doing it another way, there's another way that they're going to do a bigger trade. Even, this doesn't necessarily mean even that they're trying to get out of the tax fully. There is still a possibility they could take on money mm-hmm. and say this just lessens our tax bill because we moved on from, from Hernan Gomez. And what you don't want to do if you're Boston is get caught two, three weeks from now on deadline day saying, Oh crap, we got to dump Juancho Hernan Gomez. And OKC is like, well, now the price is, you know, two second round picks versus one or whatever the the case may be. So uh, the Celtics act now, PJ Dozier blossomed into a rotation player for the Nuggets. Uh, unfortunately, tore his ACL. So let's see, you know, what happens there. Maybe Boston says, you know, we could look at doing something with him as a free agent next summer. Same with Bull Bull. Maybe he gets back with a month to play in the season, and you could kind of throw him some minutes. But my guess is they're just kind of here to run out the string, and then we'll we'll see what happens this summer. I, I don't think it's probably going to be much of anything with either player for, for the Celtics, but uh, this is the kind of little move that can pay off big later mm-hmm. um, because, really, they gave up absolutely nothing. Hernan Gomez was not playing for them, and my guess is at this point, they, they like I said before, they know they didn't need that $7 million of match salary in a trade. Well, no, and they, they give up a roster spot as well yep. in, in this deal. So that's that's something. But again, they, they clear sure. money, so that's the benefit for them. Yep. The Spurs pick up a top three protected second round pick <laughs> in a long time. But um, but the bottom line is they still they got something for, for Bryn mm-hmm. Forbes, who they didn't really see as part of their rotation. I've seen a lot. The stat has been going around about Bryn Forbes' catch-and-shoot three-point percentage, and that's certainly something that the, the Nuggets are looking for. I really like sure. the Nuggets side of this the best out of all, all these teams oh, simply yeah. because they give up a, a second round pick and they get Bryn Forbes and they get a roster spot that they can now go play with. Maybe it's on the buyout market. Maybe it's to fill, to help facilitate another trade. Maybe there's somebody that mm-hmm. they really want to bring in, but they get that flexibility as well. So from that side, I like it, but I do think every team gets something in this. Sure. I just really like what Denver got in the deal. 
Yeah, I just yeah, Forbes. It's very easy to see he's going to clearly be the most impactful player uh, here. I mean, two are out for the year, and I I don't even know that Hernan Gomez makes it all the way with with the Spurs. He may get waived, or the Spurs may look at it and say, yeah, let's take a shot and see what it looks like for the rest of this year. They 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 can always use another forward um, there. They've just got so many guards, so why not give him give a shot? You kind of throw him out there behind Doug McDermott and Keldon Johnson, and you know see what it looks like. And it's probably not going to change your fortunes all that much by giving him some minutes and then you kind of have a sense of all right what does it look like going into next season and in no long-term money because he's fully non-guaranteed next year so you can just wave him and move on i'll tell you what that that protection on the second rounder feels like it's the last parting shot in order to get somebody to sign off on the trade. It's like it's like <laughs> if you're doing a dynasty football Way league back. and somebody's like, "Well, uh, throw in a fourth round pick." Okay, fine. Here's a fourth rounder just to just to get it done, Could right? Be. Which is just about meaningless. Um, Could be. It, I mean, in, that's maybe, maybe they're like. looking at it and saying, "Hey, we've got double draft coming up," uh-huh. and that's you know maybe maybe that's what they're looking at. But I, I that it just made me laugh. I, I thought it was funny to you know that far out to be putting protections on a pick. Just you know, I found it you know at least humorous. And by by double draft, just to clarify, you're talking about when eventually we see the rules change and you wind up with essentially two draft classes becoming eligible yep. in the same year. Like when high schoolers are able to eventually, if it does move this way, jump directly into the NBA. You yep. will have a year where you've got the guys who spent one year in college plus the high school class coming in at the same time. And that could, in theory, create, just by trickle-down effect, a stronger second round. Yeah, and, what, and I mean, it'll probably happen before then. Yeah. Because um, it, it's something that's likely to be addressed in this new CBA, but but we don't know that for sure. And it could be something that's a phased-in thing or something like that. We'll, we'll see. There, there's a lot of things to address in the CBA moving up. Um, Brian Windhorst from ESPN had some stuff. On the Wizards still not considering Bradley Beal. I don't expect that to change. I know people yeah, have been saying so. for a while now the 76ers are kind of waiting for Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal to become available. I don't, I, there, there's just no wind of change blowing for, for either of those situations. And I look, Bradley Beal has said many times that he wants to be a Washington Wizard. He wants to win there. And while they've been on a slide lately, I don't, I think the success they had at the beginning of the season is enough to keep that thing going. Maybe they make mm-hmm. some tweaks. They might be a team that's that's a candidate for a trade here at the deadline, but I think it's going to be to add pieces around Bradley Beal, not to move him. So I, I'm not shocked by that news at all. No, and, and I think the thing to note is what's changed a little bit is instead of Beal coming right out and saying, absolutely not, I'm a wizard for life and all these things, he's basically said, hey, I want the team – I." given up a lot for the team. I want the team to now kind of give back to me, put put a team around me that can win. But that's so different than the pressure any star player puts mm-hmm. on their franchise, right? They all kind of, your, your contract becomes the last leverage point you have to, to kind of say, hey, you know, keep making, I mean, we saw LeBron do this for yep. years, right? Of, the you know, hey, you better keep making moves. Yep, because otherwise I could leave. Um, and then it never played out that way because when he finally did leave it was clear that the Cavs were ready to go in a different direction and they would have kept rolling it over obviously if he had wanted to stay but uh but yeah so I think what we're looking at now with Bradley Beal is he's just kind of applying that pressure 
of, you know, hey, make, keep making stuff happen. Um, yeah, Windhorse noted, I didn't know this, uh, Bradley Beals has become very close with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, um, and their families are very close now. So that says to me, Caldwell-Pope's probably more likely to stick there. Plus, they need him. They, they don't have a wing defender um, of no without him uh, there. So that's, that's kind of important there. But, yeah, they scream ready for a consolidation trade of let's package together a couple of these younger players. They've been mentioned as a landing spot for Jeremy Grant in the past. Um, Apparently he's from that area. I did not know that. Um, That would make sense because his father played for the, the uh, back when they were still the bullets. bullets. Um, But yeah, so that, you know, that all kind of makes a lot of sense to me. So I think there is, um, you know, reason to think, yeah, you know, this probably could be the way this goes down. So let's, let's finish off with that. Jeremy Grant, this is, I mean, this is, this is the name we're going to be talking about all the way up until the deadline or until he's moved. Um, feels like just about every team in the NBA is after Jeremy Grant right yep. now. Not literally everything, not really, but yeah. most teams seem to be at least yeah. inquiring. We've got a couple about, that are like, ah, oh, we're good. Yeah, but, <laughs> but most yeah. teams are, are inquiring about Jeremy Grant and his availability. Um, the Jazz being one of them, apparently, they floated the idea of Joe Ingles for Jeremy Grant. I would think the Utah Jazz would have to add some more stuff to that mm-hmm. in order to make make something work. It, it was. I want to say, let, let me pull it up so okay. I have it. I think it was Ingles in a first-round pick. That makes sense. Um, and the Pistons said no, apparently, to that. So, yeah. The Pistons are really in a good spot with Jeremy Grant. They can they can really just, for the next couple of weeks, yeah. send us your offers. We'll mm-hmm. sort through them. And then whatever they like the best, when the, as you get close to the trade deadline, they could take take that yep. offer. It doesn't feel like they're going to have a shortage of, of options here or anything, however they want to structure it. Do they want picks? Do they want players? It really feels like they're, they're going to be the team that's really set up here to benefit from this, this seller's market. And Grant's not putting pressure on them to trade him, so yep. they're under no rush to do this, right? They, they don't have to take a deal just because it sounds like they're very like they're exactly what you said it's going to be at some point it's going to be hey first best you know or last best i guess is the right way to put that last best offers and they could even look at it and say now we still don't like any of them and take it to the off season if they wanted to and i don't think that's going to be a problem for jeremy grant we've already talked about this on another show so we don't need to restate the whole thing but Grant's whole thing is he wants a big role wherever he goes and he wants an awful lot of money. He wants a contract extension that's approaching $30 million a year. That's where it becomes more of an issue for me. Um, but, you know, maybe you, if you're a team, as I said on a show uh, the other day, is acquire him and then deal with all the rest of that later. Yeah. You know, just let it kind of play out and see see where it goes. Yeah, very true. All right. Um, anything else pop up while we were recording here? I'm just checking over on the, so. the Twitter machine. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I'm scrolling through, and I, I think, they think we're good for now. Uh, that means the minute we hang up, there'll be <laughs> something will we'll pop here, I imagine. That's the way it goes. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, don't nothing's jumping out at me right, right at this point. So, yeah, I, I um, think we're in a good spot. I guess we do have, you saw the kind of the pushback on Frank Vogel's job thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so th- we should mention that this is just to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit here. So very clearly, like the Bill Oren piece from yesterday from the athletic saying Frank Vogel's job is in jeopardy and, and all of that stuff that if he, they, they didn't beat the jazz, then he would have been dismissed and, and that sort of thing. Um, then we get pushed back and, and the, the word currently gets thrown in as you know, Frank Vogel's job is not currently at risk. It might have been currently, it could have been yesterday 
<laughs> but like now they're saying it's it's not it's a very fluid situation and we'll see where this ultimately goes but um it's clear the lakers want to shake things up we've also seen multiple reports that Taylor horton tucker is being shopped I've seen a lot of people running around saying, saying, oh, the Lakers, they were, if they had just kept Alex Caruso, then they wouldn't be in this situation. If they had kept Alex Caruso, then he's being shopped right now. This is the only, the only contract that they, whether it was Caruso or THT, it's, it's not, they hate THT. It's, it's the only contract that they've got that they can, mm -hmm. that they can move, that they can stack up. Now, again, that's not saying THT has been great. He's been not as good as they would have hoped this season, but in terms of making a trade work, his contract pretty much has to be in any deal. Yep. So of course his name is getting passed around because they don't have anybody else they can put in. Yeah. I, I am not in a spot where I have anything new to add to the talent yep. Horton Tucker stuff. I mean, it's, we know what the, this story is and I'm just waiting to hear uh, either by 3 PM on uh, February 10th, he's been traded or he's not. Yep. And then we, we move on. It's, it's, it's going to be what one thing or another. And that that's kind of it with him. Um, and then the Frank Vogel thing, it kind of reminds me of the old, uh, I think it was Dan Patrick who used to say this uh, mm -hmm. about a player. He's day to day. Aren't we all right? Like it just right. kind of feels like this is the coach version of that. Right. It's, you know, let's see where, where it goes. I mean, I have no doubt if the Lakers come out in their next game and get bombed and lose by 40 points again. Yeah. Eventually at some point it's going to be, something's going to change and that's probably going to be what changes. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where the, the, the level of pushback against it was a little interesting to me because it was like, what, what do we cover them for here? Like, I think we're all kind of on the same page with this and that's not anything on the reporters. Cause my guess is they were getting fed that info from oh, somebody yeah. and that's the job you run with it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's my, my guess is we'll see, you know, uh, here it's I I think almost no matter what this is his last season with the Lakers whether he makes it all the way to the end of it or not that's probably the only question we're asking right now yep I would agree with with that all right guys appreciate everybody joining us make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA front office YouTube channel don't forget to ring that notification bell and if you're listening to the podcast version of this make sure you follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever it is that you do listen to podcasts till next time everybody see ya and stay safe